executioners gang that exists within the LASD, they're the criminals coming into our communities to ruin our lives. They're the ones coming into our communities to rape us, to sexually assault us, to shoot us, to murder us. They're the ones coming in our community to cause destruction. Them. Protests didn't cause all the destruction that happened on Imperial. Their rubber bullets and flashbangs and grenades did. Protesters didn't cause all the bruises up and down my leg and on my back. They did. They shot, look, just like Andres Guardado, just like Dijon, just like so many other people, I was shot in the back seven times while running away from the LAPD with rubber bullets, luckily. Luckily for me, it was rubber bullets and pepper balls that hit me. But other people got hit by bullets. Real shit, and they didn't make it. They didn't come back. So I have to stand here because they can't stand here for themselves. So we have to advocate for them. So when we say Deshaun Kizzy's name, we're not just saying it just to say it because we have to. We're saying it because we believe in it. We're saying it because we stand with him. We're saying it because we support his family. We're saying it because we know what happened to him. We know it was unjust. When we talk about Anthony McClain, we talk about him because we have to fight for him. When we talk about Breonna Taylor, we talk about her because we have to fight for her. Not just to say her name. If you're just saying her name to hear the sound of you saying her name, you're wrong. No, we're fighting. We're fighting. This is a war. And they brought it to our streets. They brought it to our streets. Fuck 12. Fuck 12. Fuck 12. Fuck 12. Fuck the LAPD for sexually assaulting my friends and me. Fuck the LASD for shooting at peaceful protesters with no provocation, with no warning, with no, with no order to disperse. Fuck the LASD for shooting at protesters who were dispersing, who were already leaving, who were going home for shooting at us. And we were already, we weren't even in the area where they told us to leave. We were already gone. Fuck them for kidnapping us off the streets. Fuck them for putting up these ugly ass slinkies. Content warning. This audio contains mention of alleged sexual assault, strong language, and audio from a violent protest. Welcome back to Hidden Cases. In episode 3, we will hear from Subject 1B and their experience protesting on September 6, 2020, demanding justice for Dijon Kizzy at Imperial Sheriff's Station in South Central Los Angeles. On August 31, 2020, at around 3.15 p.m., Dijon Kizzy, 29, was stopped by sheriff's deputies for an alleged bicycle violation. Dijon began slowly running with a pile of clothes and dropped the contents, allegedly including a firearm, according to LASD. Two sheriff's deputies shot Kizzy in the back while he was trying to escape the scene. He was shot over 15 times and was cuffed after his death. LASD claims Kizzy made a motion towards the firearm. Dijon's death sparked outrage in the Los Angeles community. Dijon's family stood alongside protesters at the scene of the shooting, the 1200 block of West 109 Place. Later, demonstrators marched to the Imperial Sheriff's Station, demanding justice for Dijon Kizzy and vocalizing their outrage at another unarmed black man killed by law enforcement. Dijon's body was in the street for hours with community members, family, press, and legal observers on the scene. Los Angeles protesters demonstrated at the Imperial Sheriff's Station from September 5th through 12th, coined Hell Week by participants due to the brutality displayed by LASD. At least 35 arrests were made during the demonstrations. Night after night, sheriff's deputies fired flashbangs, pepper balls, 
stinger grenades, gas, and other less lethal projectiles at protesters and onto the surrounding neighborhoods. There were many targeted arrests of organizers and medics, unprovoked assaults on protesters, and violence towards members of the press. Episode 3, Subject 1B, Hell Week. This was in, like, the beginning of September, or, um, mm-hmm. in response to Dijon Kesey's killing. Exactly. Okay. In response to that, obviously, another really tragic murder by law enforcement, and the community was responding. Of course, the sheriff's response is to, you know, just demolish the neighborhood and everyone in it when people are demanding justice. That was the second day that we were in South Central. And the night before was terrifying and horrific. And there's so many injuries. On Saturday, September 5th, 2020, activists gathered in front of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Station on Imperial Highway at 4 p.m. There was a protest advertised as the protest for Dijon Kesey. The flyer had messages in yellow on a black background saying, Bring your bikes, roller skates, skateboards, and energy. Hashtag Biking While Black. Hashtag Dijon Kizi, murdered by L.A. County Sheriffs on Monday. Black Lives Matter, L.A. The protest was peaceful. The sun was out. Some protesters arrived in t-shirts and shorts, and children were in attendance. Sheriff's deputies had set up a large yellow slinky barricade in front of the sheriff's station. Within an hour, the mood shifted. Allegedly, sheriff's deputies fired a tear gas canister with no provocation near a flatbed truck that was amplifying speakers parked in front of the sheriff's station. Many attendees were nearby, including a seven-year-old child who was significantly affected by the gas, physically and emotionally. The sky turned pink as the crowd of hundreds headed toward the Harbor 110 freeway. Demonstrators carried a banner the width of the northbound lanes that said, Justice for Dijon Kizzy. The group blocked all northbound lanes for about an hour at approximately 6.30 p.m., facing off with California Highway Patrol officers. As the protesters left the freeway, activists hung the banner over an overpass. Many of the protesters marched back to the sheriff's station and continued to make statements on a megaphone as the sun set. Sheriffs declared open fire at the peaceful group at approximately 8.30 p.m. as they stood behind the barricade. The sheriffs unleashed a hail of pepper balls and stinger grenades with so much CS gas onto the crowd, the air was dense with the irritant. Many injuries were reported.
The next evening, on September 6th, protesters planned to demonstrate at the Imperial Sheriff's Station again. But after then less than a minute of their arrival, LASD called an unlawful assembly. Protesters began backing away after about two minutes. Police from the surrounding area arrived and began shooting pepper balls and CS gas into the neighborhood. During the chaos, police began arresting protesters, many of whom were looking to escape. Allegations of individuals being arrested upon arrival have been reported, and many attendees have claimed they were stalked by sheriff's deputies after trying to disperse. Twelve individuals were arrested, and many injuries were reported. And it just, it wasn't safe. So that night specifically, I went back with my intention was like, we're not doing this. This is this is too dangerous. We're trying to fight against police brutality and we're going to get horrifically brutalized again. That was my sole purpose for going that day was to just get everyone to safety and just call it quits for before anyone got injured because um, the sheriff is just notoriously violent and aggressive. So when I arrived uh, in South Central and had parked and everything. I was walking down to LASD and we were being followed by an unmarked vehicle. And this person pulls up and rolls the window down. And now we know that it was Mueller or whatever, how you pronounce his name, Mueller. Mm, um, okay. But at the time, it was like, okay, this is obviously someone who's with the sheriff, whatever. This is like obviously an unmarked vehicle. Yeah. So they're like, what are you, what are you guys doing or whatever? Gosh, what did, I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of like making sure um, everyone gets home safely. Yeah. And the retort was already like very creepy and predatory. Um, and he was like, oh, good girl like very like sneering, just nasty from like an old, old man. So we ended up being stalked all the way to the end of the block. I think there was like three of us at the time. And then he just peels off in the opposite direction up Imperial, um, the opposite way from the sheriff and probably looped around and came back. So I made it down to like that intersection of Imperial in Normandy, I believe, mm-hmm. and just started on the megaphone and was like, we're, we're not doing this. Like everyone, we need to go far away from this. Everyone needs to get home. This is it's just too dangerous. And we can't have more people getting hurt and killed. After that happened and the whole, everyone was like led up to their cars and people like, I was like, okay, you need to go in groups. No one goes alone. If you don't have anyone to go with, stay with me and we'll make sure everyone gets dropped off where they need to go so they can get home safely. So at that point, I had about six people with me and one person was waiting for their ride. And I was like, okay, well, we're not going to leave you here by yourself. I'll wait with you. And everyone else is like, okay, we're we're all going to wait together. And their ride was on the way and we're just standing there on the corner. And that's when... Mueller or Mueller comes back in their in their car, in his car, and is just waiting in the street and calls in, you know, his his squad. I think it was like three um, squad cars pull up and they detain us. 
and we're just standing there. And so they detain us. I wasn't cuffed, but I was brought over to a vehicle. I was told to put my hands behind my back. And then they started like searching and doing the pat down. The person who was giving me the pat down was like, what's in your shirt? And I was like, those are my breasts. And then he touched them again. He's like, can you take out whatever is in your shirt? And I was like, no, like those are my breasts. And he kept touching them like he didn't believe me. And I had a lot of other people to pay attention to and make sure like they were okay. But it's like, it, it just stuck with me. I was like, this is, this is how they get away with it. Yeah. They act like they don't know what, what's going on or yeah, that's like how they're able to, to cop a feel or not believing people when they're telling you like, this is my body. Like I can't remove it. And I was like, this is really malicious and sick. And he was able to grab my chest three times by being like, well, take, take it out, take it out. And I was like, I can't, like, I'm not going to, like, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. That was like very upsetting. And I was like, wow, like this is, this is how it, this is like a smaller incident maybe, but this is how it just keeps being perpetuated throughout law enforcement and like, and how they get away with it. And I, I don't know how like the other people who are detained were like treated in that instance, you know, they took out like a personal digital camera and took pictures of us for their little binder or whatever. Um, just very, very strange, very suspicious, very not above board. And then they just let us all go and left. And I was like, I can't believe that just happened in public while there's like six or seven people here and you can't do anything about it except tell the truth. And yeah, it was just like really upsetting. And that has always stuck with me. They're always trying to pinpoint like any sort of leadership mm-hmm. structure. And so they wanted to, to document mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they just, they didn't have anything else. They just wanted to be able to take pictures on their little pink digital camera and leave and find some excuse, find something illegal on someone or anything like that. If I were to even give the officer the benefit of the doubt that he was truly confused about what was in my shirt, like, what are you, what are you even looking for? You know, like maybe he thought, I have no idea. I have no idea what he could have thought. So there's really no excuse for no, him. Absolutely. It almost was like the opposite of a deterrent. Um, that was one, I won't say like one of my first encounters with like law enforcement, one that was really violating. And I've had the like privilege of just hearing stories. I'm like, wow, like I I can't even imagine. And then there I was, I'm like, that really just happened. Wow. Like there, there's a lot that needs to be done. And also I'm really, I felt really fortunate that I had other people with me and vice versa that we like we stayed in a group and no one went off on their own so that that encouraged me to like go out and just make sure everyone was safe and people will do what they want and they just need to get home safely like that's that's what I believe I don't even know if like I ever like fully processed 
what happened. Um, I remember like talking about it in therapy and yeah, my therapist was like, this is, this is like very serious, you know, we're going to talk about it like as much as you need to process it and process this traumatic experience. Um, yeah, it was a lot. I can't even recall if there was any like women, like female officers that would even been available, but I just recall at least, uh, like two or three of the officers were, were men. So just like limited options and you can like request to have your pat down done by like a female officer. They're not even supposed to touch you mm-hmm. really. Like there's just like a number of things where it's like, I don't, I don't know how deep like the legality or lack thereof goes, but this just all feels like so wrong. And like I'm being taken advantage of and there's nothing that I can really do. And I was struggling with some guilt, feeling like I put everyone like in this situation by saying like, I need to wait for this person for the ride to come. Like, I'm not just going to leave them. And obviously like everyone else made their own choice. Like, okay, well, we're going to stay too. But yeah, there's just, there's so many emotions like in that moment. I was like, wow, I just, I just hope we all like get out safe and get home. Like no one should be detained or put in jail and arrested or anything like that. While I wasn't surprised, like obviously being violated is always going to be shocking and like sexually assaulted. So it's always going to come as a surprise and, you know, like however you're able to process it or just like remain in shock, you know, like on the lighter side, it's like maybe the officer thought I was male or I don't know. They don't, they don't know anything about like the LGBTQ community, but maybe they thought I was like trans or something, but that's the only like slack I could possibly give was just like, no, like this is a dude, like take out whatever is in your shirt. We have to search everything. But one, one statement should have been enough. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's so frustrating. It makes me so angry because you can't give them the benefit of the doubt at all, ever. They're liars. And that was like a really apparent situation where they're just, I don't know, born trying to make demean people, demean me, make me feel bad and like insecure and, and cross those boundaries. So if anything, it just added to my reasons of, of why I'm like, why I protest and I'm in activism and, and abolition and whatnot. You know, they're supposed to be around to make the community safer or whatever. And we all know they do the exact opposite. And they just terrorize the community in every way possible. The track record isn't great. You can ask almost anyone around you and they've been sexually assaulted in some shape or form. And yes, it was like triggering to past assaults um, that I have had the misfortune of experiencing And it's just that much more frustrating when it's from an entity that's so awful and malicious and also untouchable right now. And when I was previously assaulted by not law enforcement, that was just another situation where it wasn't dealt with properly. And the patriarchy just always prevails. It's just like really sickening and infuriating. And yeah. Yeah, it's always in the back of my mind 
especially just like everything that transpired that night and that week, it wasn't easy to make the decision, like, we're not doing this, you know, and like people wanted to call me names and stuff. And I was like, well, oh, well, like this is for the greater good so that we can show up together and keep on another day and it just isn't safe. So there is that and being stalked on the way there and everything that happened on the way back and the night before and everything to follow. It's just like this specific incident. I remember really just trying to block it out. I'm like, okay, next and and minimize it. I'm like, well, worse things happen. Like we're out here for someone who's shot in the back 19 times for riding his bike, you know? And so I was just like, sweep it under the rug, but it took a while. Like it kept coming up in therapy and stuff. And like, I just held like a lot of anger around it. Um, and I definitely like processed it a lot more. Like when I think about it, like, I don't feel like I'm there again, like on the corner, helpless, trying to think fast and like, make Mm -hmm. sure no one gets hurt. And there is, you know, law enforcement doesn't, even uphold the law. So just really feeling helpless and just having all these people who like are sticking by each other's side and my side and we're all just in such danger even though we're trying to get out of danger. Yeah, I processed it a lot more and you know, I put it in like my little arsenal that keeps me keeps me going and hoping for for progress and change and reform at a minimum you know, at a bare minimum. So the magnitude I think was lost and I really appreciate you reaching out and that I've like healed more and been able to process and really like step back and like, this is a big deal and it happens a lot. And like the situation, there's just so many nefarious things about it. Um, And it didn't need to happen. It shouldn't have happened, but it did because it is law enforcement. Um, And I think a lot of people downplay like assaults from law enforcement. Oh, because they're the law and they're allowed to do anything. Like they don't have that right and that access to your body and stuff like that. So I think this is like a wonderful thing that you're doing. Thank you for tuning into episode three. Hidden Cases will be releasing new episodes every Friday. Subscribe on Spotify to never miss an episode. For more information, visit our website hiddencasespodcast.com. If you have been affected by police sexual misconduct and you'd like to share your story, please email hiddencasesla at gmail.com. If you'd like to join the community, please join us on Instagram and Twitter at hidden underscore cases. Hidden Cases is written and produced by Strawberry Fields. Thanks for listening. And remember, we keep us safe.